Welcome to How I Got Hired, a podcast to inspire job seekers to find their dream jobs or reinvent their careers. I'm your host Sonal Behel and I hold a conversation every week with a new guest who's had extraordinary career success. And today, I am speaking with the one and only Kola Rele Sonaike or Kola like he as he likes to call himself. So Kola is a communication skills coach. and a barrister what's a barrister a barrister is a lawyer but not all lawyers are barristers it's interesting google that <laughs> so kola is a barrister specializing in commercial litigation and employment law and he's been doing it for a while i think since 1998 uh kola is also has a wonderful podcast called the great speech podcast now why am i saying it like that the great speech podcast you're going to have to listen to the intro to his podcast to know why i'm speaking this way and We met how most people meet these days in 2020 on a Zoom webinar. So Kola, big big warm welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so now. I really appreciate that. Thank you for the shout out for my podcast as well. <laughs> <laughs> my my pleasure. It's a good podcast. I think it's a good podcast and I think we we more people need to listen to it. So Kola, so let's talk about you and let's talk about your career. Let's dive right in. So prior to making your mark in the legal profession, I'm a little curious because you studied philosophy and political science. I so, did indeed. Yep. So let's talk about that. Was that a planned move? You know, I'm I'm wondering, did you choose the law or the law chose you? <laughs> well, you know, the thing is that at school I wasn't that smart, if I put it that way. I was okay. I did fine. I kind of worked hard, but I I didn't really feel that my mind had awoken. and then when it came to choosing university uh my mentor at the time uh, a gentleman called um Bolaige he was a really charismatic politician in Nigeria uh, actually although he was eventually assassinated which is a whole different issue oh, um but he was a barrister uh in he'd been a barrister in the UK as a barrister in Nigeria and he always thought I could become a barrister but he advised me to do something before I went into law So I basically looked around at all the different options and decided that philosophy sounded good um but I think getting into just pure philosophy was a bit hard my parents wanted me to go for PPE which was philosophy politics economics at Oxford I didn't get in I got two interviews but not actually get in mm-hmm. uh so combining philosophy and politics meant that I could get like better offers from university so I just did that and eventually went to Birmingham University but the philosophy was great because that really awakened my mind it was kind of the first time that i was really i think interested in my studying and philosophy really makes you think logically but also creatively which really helps actually with law how oh, wonderful i was literally going to ask you that when you said my mind wasn't woken up so what what woke your mind and it turns out philosophy woken up your mind so uh, woken wakened i <laughs> I was I was woke I woke <laughs> <laughs> you became woke uh wonderful I I love that and I I love the honesty here uh you know because we have so much judgment in the world cola you need to get certain grades to be successful and we know this when we grew up uh what a pile of bs that is uh in the real world so it's uh, it's it's great that you shared that so so then you get hired right you finish these formal you know the studies the education and you get hired by the chambers in one essex court right after your law studies now that sounds really fancy to me yeah one, although, although that wasn't a direct route right i know you i know your podcast is all about how you get hired and it definitely mm-hmm. was not a straight route for me to get from 
studying law to actually being a barrister. Um, so talk so talk I'm, about that. Talk about that pit stop. Yeah, well, so the the process of becoming a barrister is a little bit convoluted. You do your law school, which is kind of the academic study. Then you do bar school, which is kind of the vocational study where you look at mm. the procedure and the mm. technicalities of giving speeches and cross-examining. And then you have to get what's called a pupillage within a chambers, which is basically like like an internship effectively mm-hmm. um, for a year. And then you have to apply for a tenancy, which is basically like getting the actual job in a in a uh, chambers as a barrister. So I had to go through all those stages and each one of those, I mean, I was good at the law in studying. I was good at bar school. But then from that, <laughs> it was just hard, hard work to actually get through each stage, get my pupillage, eventually get my tenancy. Um, so yeah, it wasn't quite kind of as straightforward as I wished mm-hmm. it were, <laughs> but well, um, uh, the way things were. Yeah. Right. Thanks for uh, clarifying that because that's important because it, I made it sound a little easy, <laughs> which, it, <laughs> which it wasn't. You had to jump through quite a few hoops. Yeah. So let's talk about the big one then, the one in uh, one Essex court, right? This mm-hmm. one that sounds like I said fancy. Yeah. How did you get this job, Kola? And and you know. Talk to us about the recruitment process and, you know, if any particular memories stick out, because I know it was a while ago. Yeah, I mean, so um, once you get the pupillage, which is that kind of internship that I was doing at a different chambers uh, and getting that was hard and then you're there. And the idea is that you should try and get a tenancy in the chambers you're doing your pupillage. But I just couldn't get that. Um, in truth, to be honest, and I'll be open about this because I know your show's about people being frank. Uh, it was a pretty racist environment. Mm. Um, you know, mm. there, there were, and, and this, was, this was kind of told to me by one of the people who was in a position to know why it was I wasn't being given a tenancy. And it was clear that, yeah, look, this, they just don't see you in that place. Um, right, right. So I was allowed to do what's called squat, which is you stay there for a while as a squatter. So you can continue working, but you don't have a tenancy, but they'll eventually kick you out. They give you time to look around. Can I just say, first of all, so thank you for sharing that. Can I just say these terms are really turning off for me? So renting, squatter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, well, shit, you know, so it makes it sound so like, you know, like an undesirable element. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, the process of becoming a barrister, it's very anachronistic. It's a very kind of old school establishment, almost mm-hmm. old boys network kind of mm-hmm. um, arena. And it hasn't improved and changed. And I, I say that because um, I had discussions with the bar council who kind of run the bar about, or the bar standards um, about you know, how are things going to improve for, in particular for black barristers, which is my mm. particular focus. Mm. Uh, and the numbers are pretty terrible. Mm. Um, even but yeah, today, so, yeah? Kola, even no, today. No, I mean, especially today. It's actually, mm. in my my assessment is it's worse today than it was when I became a barrister. Oh, really? Um, I yeah, never, I yeah, didn't yeah. realize it, it could get any worse uh, from, from back then. So you're saying there's still not many people out there, uh, men or women, who look like you? In the law profession? No, as in, so there are s- about 16,000 self-employed barristers in the UK. Mm. Uh, and of those 16,000, 600 are black or mixed race, as in biracial, as in black and black and white, black and Asian women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's 600 out of 16,000. Mm. And of those 600, 
uh, and this is figures that I got from the bar, the bar standards board of those 1600, about 450 do criminal and immigration work, which traditionally is seen, I mean, it's important work, right? But it's traditionally seen as not the, the fancy end, if mm. I put it that way, of the bar. Mm. So there's only about 150 who do the fancy end of the bar, commercial, you know, chancery work, that kind of work. So, it, and it's just, it's pretty, pretty poor. Um, so, but yeah, so I was struggling to get a tenancy and then eventually one uh, chambers uh, came up that was looking for people um, and I applied and I got that. So the that process of getting that was straightforward. I applied and I got it, but that was 18 months of squatting in my other chambers and just trying to find somewhere and not getting anywhere and beating my head against the wall and, you know, all the things that come with that feeling of, is it me? Am I mm. not good enough? Mm. Believe yourself, but doubting yourself because nobody's giving you the chance and you think maybe I'm, you know, maybe I think I'm great, but nobody else does. So that was, uh, that was pretty tough. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing this uh, hugely uh, appreciated, uh, Kola, because you're saying, you weren't a great student in school, but something changed and you became a pretty good law student, like working hard and you saw the results coming from your studies. But that if you, you know, when you see that it didn't translate into getting the right job offers, you immediately knew something was wrong, right? Your, your, your gut was telling you. And that frustration where you know you can't help it, like what can you do? So what made you, because 18 months, um, because, you know, to, to, to our listeners, you know, today, uh, it could be even longer with the environment. So what made you keep going? Um, I'm not saying give up, but what made you, you know, hold your head high, show up um, every day? Yeah, I mean, it's a mixture of I'm stubborn. Mm -hmm. So... You know, you're just not gonna you're not gonna deny me because I gave up, right? You know, it's it's gonna be that it was impossible for me to get through. So I had to, not because I I lost the fight. Um also very fortunate, you know, when you've got a supportive family, um, you know, both emotionally, mentally, also financially. Um, that allows you to keep going, you know, um, even when your sometimes your will starts to wane a little bit. Um, I was conscious of what I could see were the reasons that I was not really getting through. And that spurred me on because I've never really tolerated that kind of thing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of a mixture of, of you know, re and, and also I think, you know, and it's what I say to people now, actually, young people who come to me for advice and, you know, becoming a barrister, I always say, look, if but being a barrister or becoming a barrister, and even once you become a barrister, doing the, the job is hard work. It's not easy. It's not glamorous. It's hard work. But if that is what you are desperate to do, don't let anybody tell you not to do it. But if you're not desperate to do it, do something else. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I gosh. was. Yeah, yeah, I was desperate to be a barrister, so nothing was going to stop me. 
Yeah, yeah. You got to pick your battles here. Your energy is limited. And mm. um, yeah, I, I love that you shared that. So so the actual recruitment process, you know, when they were interviewing you, all of that, mm-hmm. you're saying that that once you went through so many hoops to get there, so many hoops, uh, that once you actually went through it, it was pretty straightforward, would, would you say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that particular chambers was, that wasn't actually one Essex court. It was another one, but mm. we merged with one Essex. So it's effectively the same thing. So that particular one was fine. I mean, I went for the interview. They asked me, you know, the question you'd expect uh and then eventually they offered it to me um others were like you know one other one i'd gone to you know the first thing they did when i came in was say uh don't be surprised if you get told no because we've already seen some very high caliber people and then i sat down it's like okay great (laughs) way to great way to start you know um (laughs) so you know there was a lot of that um and then even when i got the role in not one Essex, but the the previous one, which became one Essex court. Um, I still remember, and this is kind of an indication of what the bar is like at times. Um, the very first day, once I had got the tenancy and my first day coming into chambers, one of the senior barristers called me into a conference room. So I thought, oh, you know, he's going to welcome me and he wants to talk you know, and get to know who I am. Uh, and the first thing he asked me, actually the only thing he asked me was if I could get him some drugs. <laughs> and it was like okay all right well <laughs> oh my god okay well i'm in but no change here you know um so you know those are the can some I, of the can i just say Kola, what was your reaction yeah. reaction and response well so i i had that you know that thing of where you're okay am i in deeply enough to you know <laughs> take issue with it and make it an issue uh, or do I take it myself and I just kind of said uh, no mate I don't and then I left and I just kind of <laughs> didn't do anything about it um, it was too you know when you've been trying to get somewhere for 18 months and it's your first day you have to take a view as to okay do I fight it out now mm-hmm. <laughs> no, and I, I was like look keep your eye on the prize and that's that's his mm-hmm. problem not mine mm-hmm. um, I'm in and that's it yeah, yeah. I'm so majorly face palming right now, you know, that face palm emoji. <laughs> anyway, um, let's change gears because I know you started bigger and better things. So let's talk about your consultancy, the Great Speech Consultancy. And mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a little juicy story behind how it got started. And I'm also curious how you got hired because that's a different hiring, right? When you're on the other side, how it you got it. hired by your first client. So spill the beans. Yeah, so the the way it actually happened was I had a couple of friends actually kind of individually come up to me. Gosh, this has got to be about 15 years ago, maybe now or 10 years. Um, I actually can't remember the exact date. Uh, who, Because as a barrister, you're making speeches all the time, right? So that's what I was doing. That was my role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had some presentations to give kind of in banks, that kind of world. Uh, and they asked me for help. And I was like, mate, I have no idea. Mate, I give speeches in court. I don't know anything about giving speeches and presentations in a kind of corporate setting. Uh, but they kind of really needed it. So I helped them out uh, on it, gave them some tips. And I just really enjoyed the process of doing that. Um, and so I helped them out with it. Then I, I would like to write anyway. And I kind of started writing what I thought would be a little article and turned into a book. So that's my my book, How to Give a Great Speech. Um, and then from kind of having that, uh, I then started going to networking events um, as a barrister, but also mentioning kind of that I had 
my um, that I did help people with public speaking. At that stage, I limited it to, to public speaking rather than communication generally. Uh, and it was at, it was at one of the kind of networking events that a small um, kind of accountancy software company were like, oh, we we need some people to train our staff. Do you do things like that? Uh, and of course, it was like, oh yeah, yeah, of course, I do that all the time. <laughs> and then you go away and sweat and work out how you're going to yeah. do it. Um, <laughs> was that your was that your first like real paying client? Yeah, yeah, proper kind Amazing. of real paying client. Amazing, yeah. and you figured it out. It's all, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Say yes and figure it and out. Figure and it out afterwards. Yeah. Sweat and and blood and tears is behind the scenes, but you say yes when business comes your way. And I think yeah. the same thing goes for a job. We're not saying you lie, but you're like. Uh, if you don't know, you say you don't know in an interview, but you're like, uh, yeah, I'll figure that out. Yeah, 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 I can do it. <laughs> so yeah. I love that. So that's why it makes sense that the the consultancy is called The Great Speech. You know, when I listen to the word The Great Speech, I think of The King's Speech. You know, you saw that movie? Yes, yes, yes. So I, I love that. It, it reminds me of that. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who's told you that. So fabulous. So Kola, you worked with clients across, I'm guessing, uh, you know, accounting software firms. Then also, I'm guessing, you know, mid-career, early career, C-suite. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about, you know, maybe some things that have surprised you by working across these segments, because you work very closely with people because communication is very close to us. It, it is. It's a very intimate process, mm-hmm. actually, because, especially because, I mean, certainly the way I coach is I go deep. So I always say to people, don't go to a coach if you're looking for a little tweak here and there. For that, you know, read a book take an online course, listen to my podcast, right? With a coach, you want to go deep and really kind of figure out what are the issues that are an obstacle for you to become an outstanding communicator. Very often it gets to confidence issues and things like that. Um, So I think the thing that has surprised me, or at least surprised me initially when doing the work with a range of clients and companies, but now doesn't surprise me at all and makes perfect sense, is actually the commonality of things in that at every level from the small kind of one-man band solo solopreneur all the way to chairman of, you know, multinational company kind of thing, um, that everybody has either demons or insecurities that affect how they are able to communicate. Mm. There is, I have, I have found absolutely, and this is what I say to my clients all the time, because people look at others and think, oh, that person's a great communicator. I could never do that. And what I've mm. discovered is there is absolutely no correlation whatsoever between how effectively you communicate and your background, your experience, your education, your gender, your race, your class, nothing. Mm -hmm. It is literally, you could be brilliant and you happen to be, you know, a janitor in Mm -hmm. Guatemala. Mm -hmm. You could be appalling and you happen to be the CEO of a FTSE Flight 100 company. There is just no correlation. It's really about those that are able to access and connect with their their true character and bring them out that out in the way they communicate are the ones who are effective communicators and those that aren't aren't 
And my coaching is just to help them access that. So I think that's the thing that surprised me because you kind of always assume that the higher you go, the better people <laughs> are. And actually, yeah. it's just yeah, not yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I love that you shared that. You assume that, which I hate, you know, the word is so, um, mm-hmm. make an ass. I, we know what assume stands for. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. we assume that the higher you go, they know their shizzle, like they know what they're talking about. So yeah. uh, I, I love that you shared that. And, and, you know, when you said it doesn't matter, your background doesn't matter. Um, my, my least favorite in all of those stuff is, is when people say luck. He's just lucky. Oh, please. That is such an excuse. That is such an excuse. And I'm also going to say a quick side thing uh, to our listeners. When you finish listening to the podcast, uh, do check out Kola's LinkedIn profile. I'm going to, you know, link it in the show notes because your about section is very powerful. And I'm guessing it because you said you like writing, but it must have been some work in progress to get there because it's so crystal clear. I love the way you've written it that if you're looking for a little tweak, I'm not your guy. Uh, And the deep work, the character, all of that stuff that you said, that's painful. And people don't want that. People want the shortcut. Just help me out because I have a big speech coming up. No, that's... um, that's a little band-aid so no uh, thanks thanks for that yeah it's it's not that it took me it that was actually not hard to write at all funnily enough that that was easy to write it was hard to decide to do it Mm. so if you look at most linkedin profiles Mm. i wouldn't say they're identical right but it's kind of i am a this i do Mm. this it's Mm. and I, I kind of studied other coaches' profiles and they all were like, you know, I, I trained this people, I coached that people. And I, I did that and it just felt, and I kept thinking, yeah, but I, I know that's not really what I want to say. So eventually I just said, no, no, let me actually just tell people, this is who I am, this is how I coach. And you like it or you don't like it, but at least you'll know what you get. Hmm. Um, and what I found is whenever clients come to me, one of the first things they say is, oh, yeah, I read either your about statement or I saw something that talked about the way you coach. And yeah, that's exactly what I want. So Amazing. It worked. No, it definitely worked. I love the fact that you said it was easy to do because once you decided to do it, uh, it, it, it worked because you, it's coming from a place of truth. And I think there's yeah. a great um, lesson here for job seekers. When everyone's zigging, you zag. But you don't zag because it's fashionable, uh, because you think you need to zag. You zag because that's your truth. Everyone's yeah. zigging and that's their truth. That's fine. Maybe it's not their truth, but uh, great. So, Kola, speaking of job seekers, this is um, uh, one heck of a dumpster fire <laughs> 2020 um, for them. It's, uh, you know, they're doing their best. But we all know that uh, you know, companies have slowed down. So, yeah. wait, wait, just to say, by the way, I saw a meme that I don't mean to depress, depress your listeners, but the meme was if you think 2020 is bad, just remember that Max, Mad Max was set in 2021. Oh, gosh. Really? <laughs> yeah. I was, I was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, oh gosh. my goodness. Although, although Trump has lost, so maybe there's hope for the world. We are, I'm just going to say that we are literally recording this episode. Um, because I don't know when I'm going to air it. We're recording this episode the weekend. So the the weekend that just passed, we saw President Trump uh, lose the elections. I'm not going to say anything more because I promised myself. <laughs> and uh, yeah, hopefully for our young listeners, you know what Mad Max is. And if you don't, you need to go and do some homework. <laughs> so yeah. So, you know, Kola, with everything going on in the world today, particularly for job seekers, you know, they, they, they just listen to a lot of noise right now when it comes to job search advice. If you could tell them one thing 
to up their chances. What would that be? So because it's my field anyway, I would have to say invest deeply in your communication skills. Mm. But I'm not saying that just because it's my field. So there's mm. been lots mm. and lots of research and surveys done. They did a, um, a survey with kind of, I think it's about 500 companies or something and asked them the skills they rated most highly in their employees. And the top, I think the, the top four were all related to communication. So it was presenting or listening mm. skills. Mm. Um, LinkedIn did one of, mm. I think, the 50,000 different skills that you can put on LinkedIn. And I think the second one, well, number two, was persuasion. Mm. Um, mm. Things like that. So, and which is, you know, communication, right? The ability to persuade people. Yes. So yes. I would say invest deeply in improving your communication skills because however good you are at the work that you do, if you cannot convince other people of your thoughts or your ideas uh, or your products or your service or whatever it is, then they will go with the people who can, even if those people are not as good. Oh, gosh, right? that, is, that is so good. I know this is literally going into my soundbite. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have to listen. This is this is this is beautiful, um, and you know, Kola, communication skills is so broad, right? You just mm-hmm. said that. So persuasion, presentation, listening—it's so huge, um, which can feel like a little bit of a mountain to climb. Uh, you know, to someone who's listening right now, how do you suggest they go about investing in communication skills? Yeah. So there are a few things that I would suggest, but one in particular, most people, and I know this because this is the work I do, right? I would probably put it at about 95%. 95% of people do not actually practice or study in any way, shape or form how they communicate to examine it, Right. So give a classic example. If you've got a presentation to give, you will be astonished at how few people will ever practice the presentation except for maybe, you know, an hour before or the night before they kind of run it through their minds, mainly focusing on how do their PowerPoint slides look. Mm. So, And the attitude is, the attitude is, I'm just going to wing it. Exactly, exactly. Mm. So if you do the practice do the practice in a way that others don't, you are already putting yourself in a higher position than others in terms of your prospects of success. So I would say that in terms of your communication skills generally, just do the work. 95% of people do not, which means if you do, you are Mm. already putting yourself uh, ahead of mm. of the others going to help and you stand out mm-hmm. yeah yeah and and so that can be and doing the work can be simple things like so for instance interviews which obviously especially if you're trying to get hired uh, interviewing is a big is a big part of it if you go into the interview knowing everything you know about yourself but you haven't looked into the company for instance and done your research about the company and really studied what's going on with them you're not going to be able to engage them in a discussion in the same way as let's say the you know week before you've 
gone in and you've studied their company, you know, accounts and you've looked on their website and their tweets and you go into the interview and the first thing you say is, hey, it's really great to be here because actually I was reading the report that you just put out the other week and that actually, and what I spotted was there was one aspect I think you hadn't thought about, which we can talk about if you ever want to discuss it during this interview, but I'll leave it to you if you want to, you know, something like that, right? And you've piqued my interest. <laughs> right. What are, what are they going to say? No, 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 don't tell us about the thing that you spotted that we don't know. It's like, oh, well, tell us more. Yeah. Then suddenly the entire interview is on your own terms. Yeah. Yeah, driver's right. seat. I call that driver's seat formula and I talk about right. this with my clients and I love it because you you don't always have to have that feeling that it's not in your control. Yeah. So it's a two-way yeah. street. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Love that. And you know, when you when you said prepare, like most people focus on the content of it, you know, the presentation, etc. What what else? You know, for example, um, you know, what are your methods? You know, standing in front of a mirror, all that stuff you see in movies, like what mm-hmm. what what has been very effective for your clients? Uh, yes, yeah, so definitely practicing and recording it. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things I do with my coaching clients, for instance, is every week I set them a video task. So I will send them a video of a particular scenario and they have to record back to me delivering whatever it is that particular scenario is and and speaking to camera. And then I will send them and critique them and say, hey, this was good. Here you need to improve. Watch your eye contact, that kind of, you know, your, your cadence, all that kind of thing. And just the act of practicing and seeing yourself and how you come across immediately changes your appreciation of things that you do and helps you improve. So I had it personally where I watched a video of myself um, just because somebody sent it to me. And I realized that I was shaking my head through the entire presentation. Right? Mm-hmm. Just literally, my head was wobbling back and forth all the time. Uh, I had never seen or realized that before. And then I realized in the other videos that I did that. So I just corrected it. Simple thing, because I was aware, I was able to correct. So certainly practicing, and this is specifically talking, obviously, public speaking. Mm. Um, practicing, that I would say is very, very important. Then in terms of communication, generally, the other big one is deep listening. So mm. it's so much easier to to communicate with people when you actually listen intently to what they are saying you know what's behind what they're saying then you can just respond much more both authentically and effectively because you've actually paid attention Um, but most people listen just to respond they don't listen to understand and you've got to really listen to understand and connect yeah yeah beautiful i love that and i completely relate with what you're saying because i i go live every week um on social media, on LinkedIn, you know, Facebook, YouTube. And I've been doing it since January without fail. <laughs> if I see some of those videos in the beginning, those live broadcasts, <laughs> like I, I cringe, you know, and, and you know, all to all the listeners who are like, yeah, Kola, I can't do that. I don't like the sound of my voice. Get over yourself, snap out of it, do it. But, you know, what you said about eye contact, because I'm very particular about looking at the camera lens, but... Every now and then I see my eyeballs are going everywhere because I'm deep <laughs> I'm deep in thought. So just being mindful of it, small little tweaks. It's not perfect, but it's okay. Perfection is overrated. Be you, but a slightly better version of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, you should cringe when you look at things, right? It's like, look at your old photos of how you dressed when you were. Oh, oh, You should cringe, right? But you know you had to go through that to find your style. So, Oh my God, those those shoulder pads. What was I thinking? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I love that. So, 
Kola, I ask this question to all my guests. When you look back on your career so far, because you've still got a long, long way to go, but we know so far when you, when you step back, is there any sort of defining standout moment that supercharged your career and helped you move towards your current success? Yeah, I would say there was one in particular that happened in the legal field, but actually had a major impact both on my law and my kind of communication skills work, which is um, I was representing a client uh, in a case where I was against a QC. So QC is kind of like, you know, the, 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 the highest level of barrister you can get kind of represents that, oh, yeah, you are great at what you do as a barrister. Mm. Uh, and so it was my first time against the QC. Uh, I was kind of a young barrister at that stage. So it was quite a big deal. I was nervous, but you know, I'm kind of confident guy generally. So I was like, yeah, I can do this. And the way they teach you um, kind of advocacy and how to be, how to present as a barrister is very stiff. It's very formal, you know, you very austere, very kind of just stiff basically. Mm. So that's the way I was doing. That's the way I'd been doing it up until that time. And that's what I expected from this QC. But from the first moment I met him, even before court, he was a really chatty guy, really nice, very conversational, very easygoing. So I thought, okay, yeah, fine. But then he went into court and just did exactly the same thing. It was almost like he hadn't stopped change from how he was chatting to me. He was chatting to the judge in exactly the same way. Very conversational, very like full of character and personality, not stiff or austere mm. and formal. And as I listened, I just noticed that he was just wiping the floor with me in terms of the arguments. He was taking all of my best points that I thought, yeah, we're going to win on this point. And he was just turning them around at me and just hitting me and smacking them oh <laughs> inside the God. head with them, basically. Just destroyed my entire argument. We lost the case. I mean, okay, look, it was a hard case to win, to be honest. I told the client we probably wouldn't, but still, you know, you go in with hope. Yeah, yeah. And he did it. But in that same conversational style and then he sat down I'm like over to you kid and you know <laughs> I'm like all oh, right okay I did my best but you know we lost the case but from that moment I remember just thinking that's the way I want to communicate that's the way I want to present no more of this formal stiff stuff I'm gonna be myself I'm gonna let my character show through and my personality be part of the way I communicate and literally from that moment it was night and day in terms of how confident I felt as a barrister, how confident I felt as a communicator, uh, and how effective my my um, presenting, my kind of court appearances were. And I've taken that right through to my coaching, how I coach. So all of my clients, you'll always hear me telling this, like, yeah, no, I want you to show it shine through. Your personality is what's going to connect with people. My Don't try wow. and be anybody else. So, yeah, that was that was the moment for me. Yeah. Oh, goodness. This is uh, unbelievable. This is such a great lesson for all of us. And it's the oldest, most underrated piece of advice that people have been saying since time immemorial. Always be you. Do you. Be you. No matter what you're told that you need to do this to be successful, but you don't really... You know, like you said, austere, uh, serious. And I'm thinking when you combine all that with the British uh, stiff upper lip, I'm thinking yes. it's really cut and dry, right? Yeah. And then much. you bring your cola awesomeness, inner, you know, uh, personality, your color in a very black and white world. 
and they want you and they want more of you and then your business is doing well so if that isn't the proof we need to be ourselves i don't know what is so yeah. beautiful i i love that you shared that i love this entire conversation call up how can people learn more about you yeah i mean you can find me uh linkedin people often reach out to me there uh my podcast the great speech podcast is there um or my website which is greatspeech.co.co that is mm-hmm. um yeah but i'm you know google my name there there's there's no other one of me i'm not <laughs> so there's only know. one there's only one cola so i'm going to link all the <laughs> link all these um in the show notes and uh, this has been such a big pleasure cola thank you so much for being with us today Can I actually say that I I A I've really enjoyed this but I was saying to you before I really like the concept um and the focus of this podcast. I wish I podcast weren't really a thing when I was going for my first job but I really <laughs> something like this have been available. I th- I think it's really really good and I like your I like your style of it. Thank you so much coming from you coming from a communication skills guru that means a lot. Thank you so much Kola. Take care. Cheers. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed listening to the show. And if you did, I'd love for you to do one little thing. Go to Apple Podcasts, so that's podcast.apple.com and leave me a review. This really really helps the discoverability of the show and can help inspire job seekers out there to find jobs and take care of their families. Can you think of anything more important right now? Hmm, I didn't think so. So thank you so much for listening. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to get to know you and what you liked about the show and and perhaps if you have ideas, feel free to reach out. So take care of yourself and until next time, bye for now.